That's a that's something to think about, Lord. You didn't give us your love and your heart in, in pieces. He didn't. And he continues to give the streaming flow of his amazing love in Jesus Christ, not just in what Jesus did all those years ago, but what he is still doing in our hearts this morning. And I know that I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm his, not on the basis of a memory or an experience a long time ago, but like you, because I have known the fresh effect, the fresh work of his love to an unworthy heart. Amen. 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 How to go from coping to conquering. How to go from coping to conquering. That's been working in my heart these last several days. I wonder if there is a room in your heart where you're coping. You're, you're, you're just trying to get through it. You're just trying to get by. What if there is something the Lord wants to do and I fresh and powerful way, even right now, today, this morning, that would carry you from having to cope with fear, cope with the sense of, I'm not worthy, into a place that is His heart for you, a place where those things that have shut you down, trapped you, held you back are now under your feet. They're not over your head. There is a, an interesting verse in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 19. It says this, setting briefly, Jesus has been crucified, Jesus has been buried, and the rumor out among his people is that he has been raised from the dead, that he's alive again. But we find in verse 19 these words, when therefore it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, that first Easter Sunday, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews. You can just stop there for a moment. The same men who in an earthly sense were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, those men were all still alive. The high priest was still in place. His family still had the offices. The elders of Israel were still in their place. The Sanhedrin was still there. The Roman centurion who the oversaw the crucifixion of Jesus and his men and his troops were all still alive, were all still in place, and were all still in partnership with the religious political establishment of their day. No faces had changed. In an earthly sense, all the ones responsible for the torture, mutilation, and crucifixion of Jesus were all still in place. Therefore, the followers of Jesus had good reason to fear what might now come their way. And especially the leadership, and that, that's why spoken of the disciples together behind closed doors, hiding, withdrawing for fear of the Jews. Now something is going to happen to them from that account, at that encounter, and that engagement. And then when we find Peter and John in Acts 4 that we'll read in a moment, 
How can they even be the same men? Cowering in fear on that first Easter. Not really sure what's happened to Jesus. Where is he? Some had seen him. Some said he's alive. They didn't know whether that was a hallucination or not. But then we find the rest of that verse is, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. But up until the time that Jesus just appeared in the room, and showed them the evidences of crucifixion. Up until that time, fear, fear had paralyzed them. The intimidation of big faces and loud mouths and high positions of authority aimed at them had shut them down. Could I ask that question of us today? Is, is there... Is there some room in your heart where intimidation from people, intimidation from memories, intimidation from personal failures and the fear of that happening again, is there a place in your heart where you're just coping, just trying to make it through the next day? And what if the Lord's heart is to bring about within you such a sense of relief from, freedom from, that which has imprisoned you, that it would almost seem as if you're in another realm, you're living another life. What I'm going to say to you is, And repeat it again. What the Lord is about to do in the hearts of these men was not the result of those who were intimidating them suddenly being gone. It wasn't about the landscape of their lives being changed. They're still in Jerusalem, they're still known as followers of Jesus. The powers that be orchestrated a plan to kill him, to try to snuff out his influence. And here they were, known as leaders following this one. What would become of them? In a human sense, we can think, I won't get any better. I won't get over this until something objectively changes until that person changes out there that's doing this to me, or those memories can somehow be faded out of my memory, and so forth. The miraculous power of the helper that we started talking about last week, and we've been on for several months now, the miraculous part about the helper's help is that he can help you He can release you. He can set you free and refresh you without anything changing in the natural sense of your life. Some of us would say, but that's not going to be good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm never really going to be able to be completely happy or free until that person stops being so mean. Or until this gets restored, this physical, material thing gets changed. I would just say to you, don't draw your circle too small in how you define the power of your God. Don't, don't, don't make him so little that he has to bow down before circumstances out here that you're saying have more power to refresh you and more power to set you free than he does. He's God all by himself, and the things that he's able to do in a human heart will blow our minds. And that's what happened here with these guys. On on the one hand, 
Naturally, they've retreated. Naturally, they're hiding out. Naturally, they're fearful of what would come next for them. But then right in the middle of where they were, Jesus shows up and his presence calmed them. His presence did a work of rescuing them from their own fears in that moment. But I want you to go from John chapter 20 all the way over again to the book of Acts and Acts chapter 4. How did these men... And there were women who would certainly have been included in the process, absolutely. They were known as followers of Jesus. How, how, would they, how would they get their footing back again? How could they have a sense of living life without having to be fearful of what might happen to them next? Well, something happened. Something happened. It didn't, in that moment when Jesus appeared in that room, he would spend 40 days teaching them of the things of the kingdom and proving to himself that he's real and that he's there. But he said, we'd say, and we've read this many times in Acts 1, but you, you, there's one thing you need that you don't have, as he spoke to them, you need a measure of power that you don't have yet. You've seen me, you've heard me, you've known my teaching regarding the kingdom, but the one part that is necessary to happen in you that hasn't happened yet is for you to be filled with power by my spirit. My spirit, my spirit, the spirit of the exalted Jesus. Not just the resurrected Jesus, but the one exalted again of the right hand of the Father. And his spirit being poured out into these ones who were so crippled in their fear. That's what Acts 1-8 and the day of Pentecost was all about. We pick up in Acts chapter 4, the day of Pentecost is in the past. The Spirit of the Lord has, has come upon these and is filling them. And, and notice what it says about them. Instead of being cowering in fear, verse 7, Acts 4 verse 7, and when they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire by what power or in what name have you done this? That is, Peter and John being arrested because of all the commotion that was caused when Peter said, silver and gold have I none to the crippled man, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. And he did, walking and leaping and praising God. Well, where did Peter get that authority? How did Peter know what to do and what to say? It was all a part of the helper helping, the filling of the Spirit changing those men when they had placed them in the center by what power or in what name have you done this? Look at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, put a parenthesis there. It's the same rulers and elders of the people that before whatever this was that now has happened to them had happened, they were terrified of these faces. The mention of the names, the personas that they presented as they would walk down the streets or in reference to any kind of rulership they would have over the Jewish people, particularly in the matter of, of religious law or Jewish law, had the ability to strike fear down to the very center of Simon Peter. That's why he would deny the Lord three times. I don't even know him. I don't even know him. I don't even know him. And here he's addressing these same faces, looking into the same eyes that used to scare him to death. Something has changed. Maybe something like this needs to change in you today. To set you free. To call you and take you into another whole way of living that you've never even imagined could happen. If you were to say to Peter before the day of Pentecost and the filling of the Spirit of Jesus in his life, will you ever get past your fear of Caiaphas? Will you ever get over that night when you denied that you knew Jesus? Will you ever get over it? His answer might have been, I don't see how I can ever not be afraid of that man. And I don't know how I'll ever be able to forgive myself for what I did. 
But somehow, some way, the work that the Spirit did inside Simon Peter, he's able to look them in the face, rulers and elders of the people. If we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by the name, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the very cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And then look at this. Now as they, that's the rulers of Israel, the leaders, the high priest and his clan. Now as they observed the confidence, the confidence of Peter and John. That word for confidence can be translated boldness. It can be translated freedom. I think a wonderful translation is the English word freedom. Freedom. As they observe the freedom working in these men. These guys, they're uneducated and untrained men, and they're not scared of us. They don't care about our robes and our hats and our our scepters and our supposed impressive appearance and authority. They're not scared of us. They're not scared of what, what, what is wonder, folks? If the devil keeps pressing some of his stuff against us, against us, and against us because we stay scared of him in that place, well, what would happen if all of a sudden, by the authority of the resurrected Christ rising up in your chest, you aren't scared of that anymore? It, it didn't mean that they left. It didn't mean that they were all struck dead. They were alive, sucking air, and sitting in their places of supposed importance. And in the face of that, because of the presence of the power of the exalted Jesus by his Spirit in their lives, they, Peter and John, were set free, set free from the intimidation, from the fear. So that there was boldness. There was boldness. What if in the place where you're timid? The the reason you're timid and the reason we're pressed back is because we're in that place as a result of our own weakness. The lack of strength in us. And it may never have dawned on us until I hope it does loud and clear this morning That it's in the place where you are prisoned by your timidity that the living Lord Jesus Christ desires to show up and set you free. As they observed the confidence of Peter and John. And then Lewis says, and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling. And began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. Untrained and uneducated, but filled with the spirit of the exalted Jesus. Folks, Sometimes we get so used to second class. Sometimes we get so used to being under that we don't even have a real grip mentally, emotionally of what it would be like to be free and to live above those things that have been pressing us down. I'm saying to you that it is the power of the Spirit of Jesus 
able this morning? Do you consider yourself in so much uneducated and untrained? We could all say that in certain senses of our lives. It's not that the power of the Spirit and strength only is going to come upon those who have certain education levels, live in certain parts of town, certain ethnicities, certain nationalities. Absolutely not. It will be those whose hearts are open. Open. Is your heart open to the fact that what Jesus promised, Jesus literally meant. That if you would open your heart to him and ask of him to fill you with his spirit, to give to you the comforter, the helper, to help you where you need it. And you would just be bold enough, daring enough to fall upon the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as you're cleansing. Though we're guilty, we're forgiven through his blood, chosen by him, and believing that if he says, you ask and I will, that he will fill you with the help. Let's show you, go back to John chapter 14, John, or excuse me, 16, John chapter 16. Jesus said regarding the Spirit being poured out, the helper, the helper, the helper. Verse 14, he shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit will glorify me. He's not out to glorify a preacher or a denomination or a singer or a country. He, the Spirit is given to glorify Jesus, to make much of Jesus. Where, where there is, where is the work of the Spirit of the Lord happening in a people, there will be much made of Jesus. People won't be offended about the mention of the name of Jesus. They'll realize that that is the work of the Spirit to glorify Jesus, what He has done, what He can do and wants to do in a life, and then that He will take of mine and give it to you. He'll take of mine and give it to you, meaning, as much as it would mean any other thing, it means this, that He will take of my presence. And he will make my presence known to you. Folks, the difference between Simon Peter, when he was denying the Lord in Caiaphas' yard on that night of betrayal, and, and, and Peter in front of the Sanhedrin again, proclaiming with great boldness his confidence in Jesus, the difference between A and B is, is somewhere in the middle the manifest presence, the felt presence of Jesus became real in his heart. Folks, the Bible is vital to our understanding of our promises and who we have and how we should live. But we were, we're never supposed to substitute the knowledge that we get from Scripture for the felt presence of Jesus in your heart. But, but folks didn't know the Bible and be mean as a snake. Huh? Don't anybody say anyone or poke anybody. No, 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 all the letter of the law, but Paul will say the letter kills, but it is the Spirit that gives life. It is the Spirit who gives life. And, and Peter, and the, they knew many of the words from the Word, but they didn't have the life to be able to stand against the fear until the presence of Jesus by the power of his spirit became real in their heart. He will take of mine and he will disclose it to you. He will show it to you. He will speak it to you. He will deliver it to you. He will take of mine the exalted Christ and deliver it unto you. The work of the spirit to persuade us of the presence 
of Jesus in our hearts, in our lives, the, 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 the further revelation of who he is, where he is, and what he wants to do. We can sing the songs that, that Zach and Josh and the band led us in about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, and, and, and we get it in our head. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, it is the love of God being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's not just enough to know in our brains that he loves me. I've got to know that, feel that somehow in my heart, or I will be tracking down other lovers who can. But once there is a satisfaction that I am loved, and I know I am loved, and I feel that I am loved, then the enemy can trot all kinds of skirts and suits by you, and it will have no effect because you know who you loved by, and his love has gripped your heart. That's what this is all about. It is about the helper helping us with things we can't do without him. If you could have already set yourself free of the fear or whatever it is that is keeping you in the place of just coping and not conquering, if you could have already figured it out and fixed it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But the good news is it's because the Lord knows, and we mentioned this last, we're always going to need a helper. We're always going to need his help. He doesn't say this is just something to be used in an emergency or this is just an occasional or just once in a while some believer. But he says that one of the names of his spirit available to you, one of his names is a helper, meaning I'm going to need lots of help, lots of times, in all kinds of ways. Help me. Help me. So what did they do, Peter and John and the disciples? They did three or four things. One of, them, one of them is that they, they determined that they were surrendered to Jesus, that they, they, were, still, they were still to be identified with him. They, as they huddled in fear, they were still his men. They didn't know where else to go. Peter would say, where else do we go? You're the one who has the words of life, Lord. They were afraid, but they were still his men. They were confused and maybe disillusioned, disappointed a little bit, but they were still as people. They were still as men. But then the second thing is that they stayed where he put them. That they didn't check out and go back to Galilee and get in their boats again. Fishermen, where are my nets? Where's my boat? That didn't work out. They were surrendered to Jesus. They stayed where he had put him, where he had put them. The word to us is, the Lord knows where you are. The Lord knows what you need. The Lord knows how to bring it. Stay and don't run. Stay and don't run. Stay and don't run. Stay and don't run. I need this job. I need that wife. I need that husband. I need that house. I need that car. I need. What you need is... What we all need, fresh power, fresh freedom, fresh joy. My satisfaction is in him and not in stuff and in people. That doesn't mean that he won't give us good things and bring wonderful folks into our lives. But it just means that there has come to be an understanding that what's broken in my life in this place needs to be fixed in this place. Changing of address and so forth does not have the power to fix the hollow place in that room in your heart. So who can? They were hollow of courage. They were, they were empty of strength in their own. But when Jesus said, but you shall receive power, after that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You take that back to John 16, 14, where he said, He will glorify me because he'll take what's mine 
and He'll give to you what's mine. He'll give to you what's mine. What did Jesus have? What does Jesus have? Now this will blow your hat in the creek if you dare to read it and take it as being meant for you. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writes, this is starting in verse 18, Ephesians 1, 18. I pray every child of God, everyone hungering to know freedom in your life by His Spirit will follow me as we read these words. Verse 18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart. In other words, if it's the eyes of your mind, it could be something just to know. The eyes of your heart, it's something to be felt as well as something to know. Paul would write this book. He would write Ephesians and Philippians and all the others, but he would still pray a prayer like this from time to time. I can't give you everything in writing. There are things you need to know that you'll never know just by reading with your eyes and it being put in your brain. There are things that you will only know as the eyes of your heart are enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory in his inheritance in the saints, and what is, look at that, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who are believing. What is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Jesus raised up, seated again at the right hand of the Father. To be seated at the right hand on a throne or next to the, a primary throne means that the one seated at the right hand is recognized as having equal authority, equal in presence, equal in measure, equal in stance and posture. Jesus was raised up, seated at the right hand in the heavenly places, even though the earthly rulers had orchestrated a plan to kill him. They were dead wrong about who Jesus was. But regardless, and this is almost beside the point to have to say it because it's so obvious that just because the earth has it wrong, doesn't mean heaven's not going to have it right. With you or with Jesus, raised him up from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. Folks, you let that come as a back door into how and why these ones who had been so afraid that they locked the doors and were hiding from the potential threats on the outside. How they could turn from being in that position emotionally, mentally, physically, into the position that they were taking, called before the tribunal, called to give an account for what they did, and that they were fearlessly with authority that struck to the hearts of those in earthly leadership, had to pay attention to. How in the world did that happen? Jesus would say, it's not about me telling you, go to the ends of the earth and evangelize. It's not enough for you to know the plan of evangelism. You're going to wait. You better wait until you get empowered from on high. He's saying, Luke, that you are clothed with power from on high. Meaning 
that the exalted Christ would send forth his spirit, the spirit of the one who has all things put beneath his feet. That even though the Sanhedrin was sitting in their places, somehow Peter and John came to understand the spiritual reality of the physical setting. These big shots, loud mouths, vested with certain earthly authority, they are under the feet of my Jesus, who has forgiven me for betraying him, and who is filling me with his life to stand, knowing what I know about who he is. There's no other name like his name. Whether you accept it, whether you believe it, you crucified him, you've missed it, but he's in authority, he has all power. And I stand there. But then, keep reading. Book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 4. It shifts from things, statements about who Jesus is to who we are as the redeemed. But God, verse 4, being rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Look at verse 6. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Somehow... When Peter and John saw the lame man as they were going up into the temple to pray, the lame man beginning to beg alms from them. Oh, oh goodness. I may just have to get up and walk around here a little bit. When you think about this, it wasn't just the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the authority of the Lord Jesus that had been conveyed to Peter and John. Silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the man stood up and he went to walking and leaping and praising God. Folks, folks, folks. It's imperative that by the Spirit we recognize and we feel it in our chest and it illuminates our mind and brings joy to our heart who Jesus is, who Jesus is. There's no name greater than his name. There's no accumulation of people or nations that even match his name. He's King of kings. He's Lord of lords. And all things have been put in subjection under his feet. And look, and he has been given as head over all things to the church. Such that we are loved. We we, we have mercy bestowed upon us so that we're forgiven. But we also have been raised up. Seated in the heavenly places next to where Jesus is seated in the heavenly place. Now, folks, when that drops 18 inches, you're not going to be living your life with your head down. Oh, how pitiful. Oh, how poor I am. Oh, how sad this is. Oh, how unending. This is never going to change. You know what that is? That's the father of lies lying to you. He does not want the children of God, the followers of Jesus, to really embrace our birthright. Jesus is an authority over Satan and all of his demons. He's been given as head over the church so that we may, while we're down here on this earth, as he gives us instruction, enforce the authority of heaven against darkness. Enforce the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ against places where sickness and killing and stealing and lying and defeat are in place. 
Jesus did not walk through and heal everybody who was ever sick, but he flat healed a whole bunch of them who were sick. So many so that folks got to coming and bringing ones because they didn't have the medicines that we have. But they saw, they heard that in this Jesus, and that was just in the measure of his earthly authority. My brother, my sister, he's not on this earth anymore. He's not still in Mary's lap. He's not still hanging on a cross. He's not dead. He's not on a tomb. He's alive. And he said, where two or three have gathered in my name, there I am in the middle of you. The exalted Christ. The exalted Christ. The one who stands with his feet on top of everything. His feet are on top of Washington. His feet are on top of the Kremlin. His feet are on top of China. His feet are on top of Iran. You name it, he owns it. Whether it's agreed to, welcomed, wanted, desired or not. But when we recognize that, we recognize that there's no place he can't be. There's nothing he can't do. And that he has conveyed to us the authority to represent him down here. Okay? And if you ride down 35 sometime, 281, 1604 occasionally, and you see a gray Tundra pickup truck with an older looking fella behind the steering wheel. And he's got one hand on the steering wheel. And if you could hear him, here's what you'd hear. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place omnipotent father of mercy and grace thou art welcome in this place holy spirit thou art welcome in this place Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace, thou art welcome in this place. Learning to lean. Learning to lean, I'm learning to lean on Jesus, finding more power than I ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Here's how it goes. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace. Yes, thou art welcome in this place. Now, folks, I told Josh a while ago, I told Josh, Josh said just some things that the spoken word can't do, and I got to sing this morning. You're going to have to bail me out. You're going to have to help me if you can, and these guys help with that. But listen, there's a melody of love. There's a melody of life that will flow from within your inner being. Jesus said it would happen. If anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For out of his innermost being shall flow rivers 
of do you need refreshing do you need freedom do you need a fresh sense of who you are to the Lord and his value your value to him and his to you then ask and keep asking for 10 days that's what they did Lord we don't even know what this is but we know we need it if we're going to be changed Send your spirit, Lord. Send your spirit. Rushing mighty wind. Tongues of fire. That was unique to that time. But he still is answering the cries of folks. I can tell you this. I can tell you this. I don't know how he's going to do it. And I don't know when he's going to do it for you. But I'm telling you, he's going to do it. The only reason he won't is if we don't ask. He wants us at the place of realizing and coming to Him for that which we most need, the sense of His presence. But His presence, knowing Him in His presence, means we're knowing Him in His authority. And when that's understood, we're recognizing that He has conveyed authority, His authority to us to act in His behalf. What may or may not be happening in our lives, what breakthroughs may not be coming, what provisions, because we are not realizing that He has given us authority to speak in His name, to renounce in His authority, to call forth in His authority, to clothe ourselves in His authority, to stand in His authority. Somehow, weaklings are made strong. The hopeless blow up with hope when there is that sense of the one who has all authority really is alive inside of your pastor longs for that for you, aches for that for you. Middle of the night, early morning, whether I'm down in the middle of nowhere trying to get ready for Sundays or not, your faces come across the needs that many of you are going through. And I, I realize it's not a human answer. It's not people who can do it for you. But right where you are, the helper can come, the helper can come, the helper can come. And without anything in the natural changing, though he's able to do that, and it will change in time. But even when it doesn't, he's able to bring his power, his authority over everything. Authority over depression, authority over loneliness, authority over separation, authority over everything that goes on in us. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in that place, in that place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in that place. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Streaming family, if you, if you want to do that as well, or maybe just where you're seated, just open your, open your hands up before the Lord. Lord, it's the, it's the cry of my heart that your people, that we would know you as you deserve to be known, that we would know you as you desire for us to know you, and even as we say that, Lord, we realize that unless the eyes of our hearts are flooded with light by your Spirit, we'll never see it. But we believe you've promised. We believe you've said, if you then being evil know how to good gifts, give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven, give the Spirit to help. Give the Spirit to help to those who are asking Him. Lord, instead of our complaining that something isn't fixed or something hasn't worked out or trying to get pity from others. Would you teach us? Would you remind us? Would you stir it up in our memory 
The place I go to I go for help is the helper, the spirit of Jesus. I have permission. I have freedom to pour out my heart, expressing my needs, listing my needs, and then believing as I have shared them with you, poured them out before you, that you will send the helper to help. But Lord, immediately show us that it doesn't mean that you're automatically going to fix everything in the natural. You have something better. You have something more that even if something doesn't change in the natural, you're going to show your power to set us free from something that doesn't change in the natural. Thank you, Lord. We look to you and we bless you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Prayer partners, if you would join me here at the front, please, so we can pray with any of you who are here, that we can pray with you along this line or anything else that's going on in your life. We'd just love to trust the Lord with you for the breakthrough He's wanting to bring in your life. I'm, I'm praying as the day rolls on, Lord, remind us of what we've heard from your word. Don't let us forget it. I'm praying the Lord will not let us forget this. And that whenever there's that sense of help that's needed in that old place that has kept us defeated and feeling like a failure, that we will at that point, just that old song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here in this place. Don't look over it. Don't try to forget. Just, Lord, here, here. I'm telling you, there are going to be some stories to come out of you folks. The helper is on the way. The helper is on the way to you. Amen. Please come. Let us pray with you if we can. Otherwise, we'll see you next time, whenever that is. God bless you.